American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. When Charles Ball goes out into the field the morning after he arrives at Wade Hampton's plantation, he's given a hoe and he's told that he is going to chop cotton that day. That means to basically uh, kill all the weeds that are growing around the young cotton plants. And he's told to get in line uh, with a, a group of other individuals, other enslaved people with hoes, and they're told that they all have to keep up with one man at the end of the line. This man was named Simon, and Simon was the fastest worker. And as soon as Simon started working, Charles realized he was going to have to work very hard to keep up with Simon because Simon was working very, very quickly. He was chopping as fast as he could. And pretty quickly, Charles figured out he could do it, but it was going to be difficult. And he also realized why Simon was working so quickly. The overseer, a white man on horseback with a gun and a large whip, was watching Simon. And in fact, he was watching 10 other Simons across the field. And each of those captains was working as fast as they could, and each of them had 10 people trying to work as fast as that captain. This is what enslaved people called the pushing system. And it was a way in which one individual overseer could drive 100 people across a field as fast as possible. Now this doesn't necessarily fit with our picture of slavery as a system that doesn't have very good incentives for labor. Now these might be cruel and immoral incentives, what, what Charles Ball was experiencing uh, on that first day of labor, but they were incentives that worked in terms of producing more cotton. We can see the results just in the increase in the production of cotton. In 1790, 470 million pounds of cotton are made and traded in the world, and most of them are produced by free peasants in Asia. In 1860, 70 years later, 2.5 billion or almost six times as much cotton is being traded on world markets, and almost all of it is made by slaves in North America. So clearly, uh, their, their work uh, was being incentivized and incentivized very successfully, but not incentivized in the ways uh, that most economists uh, and certainly some of the, the biggest proponents of capitalism as a system that's based on free wage labor would have said is essential to the system of capitalism. Usually when people contrast slavery and capitalism, or slavery and wage labor, they go to Adam Smith, one of the great economists, who argues that wage labor has built-in incentives that slavery simply doesn't. And it's not possible to improve the quality of labor or improve the quality of the product much with slavery. There's a, there's a built-in wall, if you will, that slavery is going to hit. And it's essentially a problem of incentives. The slave is not going to get anything out of the labor. Uh, they're certainly not going to get any money out of the labor, and they have very little possibility for advancement. So there's not much incentive for them to work hard or to work well. And there's a lot of truth to that kind of analysis. And in fact, there's so much truth that figuring out incentives was one of the most difficult tasks of overseers and slave owners in the 18th century uh, North American South in the slave colonies, particularly of South Carolina and Virginia. And they had created basically two systems. Two, uh, the, the, there were two very common systems in use. The first one was called gang labor, and this involved direct supervision of enslaved laborers. 
if somebody wasn't working hard enough or if somebody wasn't working at all, uh, then they would be threatened and perhaps punished. The problem with this, particularly in tobacco, is that tobacco is usually grown in lots of small patches. And this was especially true as soil fertility started to decline in late 1700s uh, in Virginia and Maryland. Increasingly, slave owners relied on African-American slave drivers, many of whom were also enslaved themselves, to direct labor in individual tobacco patches. And of course, they had their own incentives. Sometimes they were related to the people they were driving. Sometimes uh, they wanted to um, protect them. Uh, they wanted to take better care of them. And so when the, the white overseer or the white enslaver weren't around, often the pace of labor would slow with the consent of the driver. On the other hand, there was another system that was often used, and this was very common in the rice belt along the coast of South Carolina and Georgia. Not the cotton part that was inland where Charles Ball found himself, but in the older section. Uh, typically, rice was the crop this was used for. And this, this system was called the task system. In the task system, an individual laborer had a specific amount of work they were supposed to finish in a particular day. And once they were done, they could quit. And then they could do whatever they wanted. They could grow their own garden. Um, they could help uh, their spouse or their children or their siblings or their friends finish their own labor. They could relax. They could do whatever they wanted. Now, this wasn't an easy system. There was still a lot of labor. But people who worked very, very hard could often finish by 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And this allowed them space to have a different kind of life from people who had to work from sunup to sundown. And not surprisingly, when slave owners tried to increase the size of the task, to say, for instance, you don't have to weed one quarter acre of rice today. You have to weed one half acre. There was a lot of resistance, but that's not the way your father did it, or that's not the way the neighbor does it. And so the task tended to not change much over time. But it, even though productivity did not increase with the task, the cost of supervision was very low for the enslaver. So the gang system and the task system were the primary systems in use before early 1800. And each had advantages, but neither one was likely to increase productivity the amount of labor carried out in a given space of time, it was not likely to increase productivity very rapidly, if at all. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. Or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University. Thank mm-hmm. you.